Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. The following message is titled, The Threefold Cord, and was spoken by Pastor Gary Keller. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Let's turn in our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 12. And it goes like this. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And you may be seated. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. You will find in your Bible books written by Solomon. Several writings are in your Old Testament. Ecclesiastes is a part of these wonderful books of wisdom written by King Solomon to Israel. And he made it clear in this particular passage of Scripture Ecclesiastes 4 and 12, he made it clear that a cord, a rope, braided together with three strands is not easily broken. And, and here is my question that I wrestled with yesterday and, and looking for an answer, and I hope we can find an answer here today. Why is this principle, the principle of the threefold cord, why is it so important in the 21st century? Why is it important right now, today, this morning? Why is it important in your life? The answer to that question would simply be this. The enemy of your soul has a formula of defeat already in place, and his desire is to take you down spiritually. He has pre-planned your demise. Listen, he's smart. He has a lot of agility. He has a lot of, well, he spent a lot of time working on mankind. As a matter of fact, he's got a 6,000 year head start on any of us. And so he has a formula of defeat that he has pre-planned for your demise. He has pre-planned your failure. He wants nothing more, nothing less than for you to be defeated spiritually. He has thought about how and when he might take you down by destroying your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he has already worked on a formula to defeat you, and he is going to activate that even this morning if you give him just a moment of your time. That's why we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The Word of God indicates that Satan is working on your demise, your failure, your defeat, even this morning. And here's some good news from the Old and New Testaments. In Isaiah chapter 54 and verse number 17, it tells us that no weapon 
formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. The Lord is saying to us that no weapon formed against us. That indicates to me that someone is forming a weapon against you, against your family, against your church, against your future, against your life. But God is saying to us through an Old Testament prophet, no weapon that's formed against us, no formula of defeat that he might concoct, nothing the enemy can do against, nothing the enemy does against you can override what Isaiah is saying to us in 5417, that no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse number 7. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before you seven ways. That is an incredible passage of scripture. That is a comforting word from God to know that when the enemy rises up against you, against your mind, against your heart, against your spirit, against your faith, against your belief, against your family, the enemy will rise up against you. But when he does, our God tells us through an Old Testament writer that when he comes against you one way, when this is over and when God is finished with him, he will flee from you seven other ways. We find in John, the writings of John, where the word life is used 27 times. And the verb form of life is used 15 times, time and time again. If you were to put a theme on the writings of the beloved John, that theme would be life. In him was life. We find it throughout the writings of John. But in the 10th chapter and the 10th verse, John penned these words. Quoting the Lord God, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's his plan. That's his formula. That's what he wants to accomplish. He wants to come into your life and steal and kill and to destroy. But right on the hills, right at the end of that statement, right as the enemy's plan is revealed, God speaks to us and he says to you, to your heart, to your spirit, I have come that you might have a life and that you might have it more abundantly. I want the enemy to hear that today. The enemy that's come against your mind. The enemy that's come against your spirit. The enemy that's come against your marriage. The enemy that's come against your body. The enemy that's come against your emotions. The enemy that's come against your family. I want, I want that enemy to hear this today. We know that you come to steal and you come to kill and you 
come to destroy. And just as Jesus went directly into the positive of what's going on spiritually, we too say, but our God has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And while the enemy has a formula of defeat, and he does, and it's a formula of defeat that he is organizing against you, the Lord Jesus Christ has a formula of spiritual success already worked out on your behalf. That's why Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 12 goes like this, and if one prevail against him. Two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. The spiritual challenge before each of us this morning is to make sure that we are on the highway of holiness and righteousness and truth, that we are on the highway that leads to everlasting life. We know, according to the wise man Solomon, who penned these words in Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Sometimes I am challenged by the thinking of this society and this generation, and you wonder how can they really believe what they are propagating in the news? How can they truly believe that this is the right thing? And there's, it's so convoluted, and you how can they believe it? Well, here's, the, here's why they believe it. There's a way that seems right. And so they buy into what seems right for the moment, even though it violates everything written in this book. Can I tell you right now, if it violates this book, it's not going to be good for you. If it violates this book, it's not going to take you to heaven. If it violates this book, it's not going to give you the promises of God. Therefore, there is a way that seemeth right unto man. That's flesh. That's man. That's earthly. That's, that's carnality. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And David, he penned these words in Psalm 82 and 5, they know not, talking about this very generation, they neither will they understand, they walk on in darkness, and all of the foundations of the earth are out of course. I don't know of a scripture that more clearly defines the hour that we're living in than Psalm 82 and 5. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth are out of course. Can I read that for you again? Would you, would you in your mind look around our world today, not just Fairfield County, Ohio, America, but look around our world, and this applies around the globe. They know not, neither will they understand. They just walk 
on. They walk on in darkness and all the foundations of the world are out of course. But there is a New Testament scripture that's not in my notes, but I share it with you. The Bible says, Jesus said, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, there is a foundation that stands sure. And that foundation is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone. And if you're going to make it in this last hour, you've got to be built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The only thing that's going to stand in this last day, it is not governments, it's not leaders, it's not societies. The only thing that's going to stand in the last day is none other than thus saith the word of God. What does the word of God say? This is what we build our life upon. The word of God is going to see us through this thing called life. Somebody said, praise the Lord. There's a scripture that I preached from the night before my father passed away. I was in Greenville, Mississippi, and I had no idea dad would die the next day. But this message, this word, this word got me through. And, and it sort of, it correlates with what we read to you in Psalm 82. It says this in Deuteronomy 32 and 28, for they are a nation void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Can I encourage you? Can I preach to you? Can I come to this pulpit without reservation and ask you today and plead with you today, look at your life, look at the choices that you're making, look at the things you are deciding on, look at the pathway that you have chosen, look where you are right now in correlation with the word of God and ask yourself the question, am I on the right road? Am I on the highway to, of holiness to heaven? Am I living for God? Because this is what happened to them. And that day they are a nation void of counsel. There's no understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Can I preach to somebody? How are you going to wind up living the way you're living right now? How are you going to wind up doing what you're doing right now? How are you, how is this going to, how is this going to work out for you? You're living a lie right now. You're not living truth. You're not living for God. No, this is not for everybody. I know, and you're just looking at me, but this is a word for somebody. How are you, How is this going to wrap up? How is it going to end? You've got to consider how it all ends. Can I tell you, there are only two ends. There are only two choices. There's only two places. We're either going to heaven or we're not going to heaven. We're either going up or we're not going up. You've got to consider your latter end. Where are you going today? What's your destiny? What's, what road are you on? Oh, I want to preach to you get on the right road. Come on, get on the right road. Go to heaven. Let the word of God be your guide. Let Jesus be your guide. Come on, it's time to go to heaven. That's what God wants for you. And that's what God wants for your family. And they would, that they would consider their latter end. And then this, how should one chase a thousand? We're talking today about being united. 
about a threefold cord. How should one chase a thousand and two put what? 10,000 to flight. How can that happen? Except their rock, capital R. Well, they're all capitals up there. In your Bible, it says this, except their rock, talking about Israel's rock, capital R, had sold them and the Lord had shut them up. And this is the testimony of all of the nations around Israel. When they looked at Israel and they, they said, for their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being the judges. Israel came to the conclusion in verse number 30 and made this statement, their rock that's out there in the world, what they have as a foundation, what they've established their life upon, their rock is not as our rock, capital R, the Lord God, even our enemies themselves being the judges. In other words, the world looks at the church and they have to admit we don't have what you have. We don't have authority like you have. We don't have a relationship with God like the church has. There's no rock like our rock. If I could preach another sermon today, it would be that. There's just no rock like our rock. You're not going to find God out in this world. You're not going to find him in darkness. You're not going to find him outside of his word. Hallelujah. His word will establish you upon the foundation and even the world sees it and understands and knows. And if you listen to me today, preach. Please listen to me preach today. I, I want to preach to somebody. It is, the, it, it is only when you are standing, this is so elementary, but it's so important. It's only when you are standing on the rock Christ Jesus that you are in spiritual alignment with the word of God. Only when you're on the rock will you survive the storm. The foolish man tried it. He built his house, not on the rock, on the sand. There were no floods. There were no winds. There was no rain. Everything was fine. But the wise man said, even though I don't see any rain clouds and even though I don't see any storms on the horizon, I'm digging down until I find a rock. I'm going to build my life upon the rock because I know it's coming. You see, people, have, people find pleasure in sin for a season. And because that pleasure is there for a season, they, they, they discard the fact that they need the rock. And let me just preach to you. There's a storm coming to this generation to this hour, there's a storm coming. The winds are going to blow. The rain is going to fall. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But the house that's built on the rock, the house that's built on the rock Christ Jesus, the house that has a foundation under it is not going to be moved whatsoever. And it is only when you are standing on that foundation, it's only when you're standing on the rock Christ Jesus that you can say with the Old Testament writer, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I wish somebody would just take one step forward and stand on the rock Christ Jesus and look at the enemy that's been beating you up 
up and challenge in your mind and challenge in your spirit and say to him, look where I am now. I am on the rock and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I wish somebody would start talking to the devil right now and say, get thee behind me in the name of Jesus. I put you under my feet. Make sure that you stand fast and stand united with your brothers and your sisters in Christ Jesus. Stand firm. Stand fast. Bind us together, Brother Vern. Hallelujah. Can I preach to somebody right now that your Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 1, Oh, Lord, stand fast in the Lord. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, the first part of that scripture says, Watch ye and stand fast in the faith. Philippians 1, 27, the last part of that verse says, Stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And time and time again, the New Testament writers bring to us the word from Almighty God and they're saying to us, stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast in the liberty. Stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in one spirit. Hallelujah. Why is that so important? Because if you do, then Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 comes into play. For if one shall prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easy are quickly broken. I've got to preach to somebody. It's time for everyone in this building to come into alignment with the Spirit of God, with the presence of God, with the liberty of God, with the faith of God, to be in one spirit, one mind, and one accord. Amen. A few years ago, and I want to thank you, Brother Jeff Eden, thank you for the plate that you bought me, the plate that you don't eat off of, but it's a plate that you stand on a little stand that has a message. You know what I'm talking about? You bought that for me. It's been so long ago I can't remember. She bought it for me. Thank you, Nancy. Hallelujah. I've got a plate. I was at Grant Hospital. I was on the 10th, 11th floor. And I come around the corner and I push the button for the elevator. And on the bulletin board, handwritten, there's a note. This is, I don't know, this is 10, 15 years ago. There's a hand, I thought about this last night. There's a handwritten note, and this is what it said. It said, and I quote, life is not about how to survive the storm, but it's about how to learn to dance in the rain. Somebody get on the B3 because I'm about to shout. He found, they found a plate. Remember that plate? They found a plate and gave it to me. And it said, life is not about surviving the storm. It's about dancing in the rain. 
when you've got the foundation of God under you, bring on the wind, the rain, the flood. I know others are going down, but I'm dancing, hallelujah, even in the midst of the storm. You thought I would come in here on this Sunday morning and give up. You thought I would come in here and let the devil push me around. You thought I'd come in here and walk out the same way I came in. No, I'm on the rock and I'm going to dance for Jesus. I'm going to worship God. I've got a foundation under me that is solid. I've got a foundation that's going to see me through. I wish somebody would tell the devil, I'm going to dance in this storm because there's victory coming my way. There's deliverance coming my way. There's hope coming my way. There's God coming my way. I'm going to dance in the storm. Glory to God, glory to God. How do we survive the storm? During his earthly ministry, Jesus shared with the church principles of the kingdom of God. I'm going to end with this today. From the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, listen to the words of Jesus concerning the threefold cord of giving, praying, and fasting. That's the title of this message. The three-fold cord. Giving, praying, and fasting. Notice, greatest sermon ever preached. Greatest sermon ever preached. Was not T.D. Jakes. Was not in Aertion. Greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus. If you get discouraged, just go read his sermon. Listen, if you listen to the podcast and you hear my message and it doesn't help you, then go read his sermon. Because you will find everything that you need in the sermon he preached. He left nothing undone. As a matter of fact, when he finished, when he finished that sermon, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, when he finished the Sermon on the Mount, when he was come down from the mountain, there was a leper. And the leper said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Somebody get on the B3 right there for Vern. <laughs> Jesus said, I will. And he violates the Old Testament law when he reaches forth and lays his hand on a leper. And immediately he was made clean and the leprosy was gone. Following the greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus made this statement to us. It is not enough just to preach the word. It's not enough just to have a nice little sermon. Somewhere you got to come down from the mountain and put it into action. That's what the Holy Ghost wants to do today. I believe the Holy Ghost wants to heal somebody in these altars today. I believe God wants to set somebody free in this house today. And so in this message that he preached on the mountain, in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 2, 
Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, don't do it as the hypocrites if you read on there. This is what he was saying. He was saying, when you give. Thank God for a good, great giving church. This is an incredible church that gives, and I thank God for that. But it's more than just giving monetarily. When you add up all of the volunteer ministries that we have at New Life Christian Center, it takes 275 people a week to make this church happen. Amen. Just add up all that everybody does, singers, ushers, security, Sunday school teachers, sound, lighting, media, ministers, add it all, 275. Now, some people do more than one, so it's not 275 people, but there's 275 ministries that are activated every week in this church. I'm just saying to you that thank you for giving. It's not just financially, but thank you for being faithful, a faithful steward to give. It is God's plan. If you want God's blessing on your finances, he will bless the 90%. He cannot bless 100% if you don't give the 10%. And I'll leave that as it, as it may. Praise God. You can't outgive the Lord either. You cannot outgive the Lord. You'll be blessed if you give. And you won't be blessed if you don't give. That's not me. That's this. That's this right here. Praise God. So Jesus deals in Matthew chapter 6, the greatest sermon ever preached. He deals that when you give, go down to verse 5. And when you pray, go down to verse 16. And when you fast, there you find in the greatest sermon ever preached, the threefold cord that brings the power and the blessing, and the anointing, and the touch of Almighty God. If you want God to move in this church, in your life, in your family, give, pray, and fast. That's a threefold cord that's not easily broken. Hallelujah. You got to, you have to give. You have to pray and you have to fast. When we get the threefold cord of giving and praying, fasting right as a church, we will be unstoppable. How important is it? How important is it for us to give? How important is it for us to pray? How important is it for us to fast in this new year? I'm going to read 12 verses of scripture. I'm going to try not to elaborate on them. I just want you to see the story unfold. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and whithersoever he taketh him, the spirit tears my son. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, pineth away. I talked to your disciples, but they couldn't help. They couldn't cast the devil out of him. And he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Saying this probably to his disciples. Bring the boy unto me. 
And they brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him straightway, the spirit, that evil devilish spirit that was in him, tear him. And he fell on the ground, wallering, foaming. And he asked the father, Jesus asked the father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And the father said, since he was a child. And oft times, Jesus, he will cast himself into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and with tears said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast this devil out? And Jesus said unto them, This kind can come out forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. It takes the threefold cord of giving yourself to ministry praying and fasting. If you want God to move in your life in 2020, you want God to move in this church, you want God to move in your ministry, I'm admonishing you today to give yourself to the kingdom of God. Give yourself to prayer and fasting. And when you do, you will become a three-fold cord that is not easily broken. Jesus said, if thou canst believe in Mark 9, 23, all things are possible. I love that, but listen to it in the Message Bible. Jesus said, if there are no ifs among believers, anything can happen. The NLT Bible goes like this in Mark 9, 23. What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. I hear Jesus saying this morning, what do you mean, if I can? All you've got to do is give yourself to the kingdom. Pray and fast and watch the threefold cord of giving and praying and fasting give you authority over the adversary that wants to destroy you. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're ready for it. I'm ready for it. The church is ready for it. Let's go after it. Let's unite together. Let's be of one mind and one accord and let's believe the word of God. Because he said, he said, anything is possible. First John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. You want to know why you've overcome them? Because greater 
is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 38 years. He laid by that pool waiting for the angel to come down and trouble the water. And if he could just be the first one in, he would be healed. 38 years. And Jesus comes walking through. And Jesus says to him, how long have you been in this place? 38 years. Why? Well, when the waters are troubled, I have no one to help me into the waters. So I have been here for 38 years in this condition. And Jesus said, take up thy bed and walk. And he got up. He made up his bed, threw it over his shoulder, and walked out. 38 years. She pushed her way through everything she had. Already been spent on the doctors. She pushes her way through the crowd. A crowd she's not even supposed to be in because of her condition. But she has in her mind this one statement. If I can touch just the hem of his garment. If I can push my way through, if I can just reach out, if my fingertips, I don't have to hug him or hold him or shake his hand. If I can just touch I can just touch the hem of his garment. Here's the key. I know I'll be made whole. That's faith. She pushes her way through. This crowd is mammoth. It's a multitude of people. But she lunges toward his feet and her fingers touch borderline of his garment and Jesus stops and said somebody touch me now Lord you've been pushed left and right front and back for 10 city blocks what do you mean somebody touched you he said because I felt virtue leave my body and when he turned, she said, Lord, it was me, afraid, fearful. And Jesus said, fear not. Your faith 
made you whole. For 18 years in Luke chapter 13, she came every Sabbath, bowed over, and in no wise could lift herself up. This is how she came to church every Sabbath. But on this particular Sabbath, the speaker is from Nazareth. And Jesus looks and watches her come in. Faithful. 18 years. 18 times 52. 18 years comes in this way. Every Sabbath. 18 years. 536 Saturdays, 936, 936 Saturdays, almost a thousand times, she comes in like this, 18 years. And Jesus just watches her come in and ask a simple question. Why is this daughter of Abraham, why did he call her the daughter of Abraham? Because Abraham was the father of the faithful. Why is this faithful woman still bowed over after 18 years? Two things happened. Jesus said, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. But she was still bowed over. Don't be alarmed. Jesus was showing us another dimension of ministry. Jesus said, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmities. And she was still bowed over. But the next verse says, and when he laid his hands upon her, immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.